Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 585. If you want something bad enough, and I mean really actually want something, you will get it. And I guess having the belief that that'll happen, you kind of have to live it to, to, to know it. But if you really wanted it bad enough, you will always get what you want. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. I'll never worry again about having a dead battery with my NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in my glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that'll jumpstart a dead battery in my car, boat, truck, or RV. The Genius Boost features built-in spark-proof technology and reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart any of my vehicles. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are built from solid copper for maximum conductivity. There's a built-in ultrabite dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS and emergency strobe. I use my Genius Boost jump starter to charge my phone, tablet, and laptop while I'm on the road or if the power goes out in my home. The unit itself is easily rechargeable in my vehicle. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, the battery car source since 1914. I've got one in each of my vehicles. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Scott Speed. Scott, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? <laughs> Safety belts on, yes. I did not bring my helmet, though, so take it easy on me, please. <laughs> I will keep it between the guardrails, as they say, but you're a rally car guy, so... We might get a little dirty, but that's okay. We'll have some fun. Scott Speed is a former Formula One driver, and today he's the defending global rallycross champion. Congratulations for that. He was the first American in Formula One since Michael Andretti, and when he joined Scuderia Toro Rosso during the 2006 and 2007 seasons, he returned to the United States and raced in NASCAR and started his rallycross career in 2013 with a win in his X-Game debut in Brazil. Very cool. In 2014, Scott joined the Volkswagen factory Andretti Rallycross team, and he won the title in 2015 with a record eight podiums. Yeah, I said eight in 12 rounds. Absolutely spectacular. Scott is also an ambassador for the new Sega game Motorsport Manager, an exciting video game for the PC and Mac platforms, which we're going to learn a little bit more about as we get through our talks. So, Scott, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment share? A little bit more about your racing career and, of course, your passion for cars and racing. Sure. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me, Mark. Uh, my racing career started out, I think, a lot like uh, most other people where, you know, my father raced go-karts when I was a kid. So I'd, you know, follow him to the racetrack and, uh, you know, be his biggest cheerleader. And then eventually when I was 11 years old, I had, you know, got my chance to drive the, a go-kart for the first time. And it was just one of those things that the first time I did it, it was just like a, you know, I I took to it like a duck to water. It was just something that I could do well. And, you know, I was a super competitive kid. I still am super competitive. So, you know, all my focus then immediately went into go-karts. And that's something that my father and I did 
uh, actually our whole family did up until I was, you know, 19 years old and started getting some scholarships to, to run these, uh, you know, open wheel cars, you know, like the Skip Barber School, the Jim Russell School and the Formula Mazda Championship, all these little, uh, you know, open wheel series at that time that were available. And then eventually got a big opportunity to be part, part of the uh, American driver search for Red Bull and uh, ended up winning that and then going to Europe and somehow turning, uh, you know, a, a passion for racing into a career in motorsports and ended up making it all the way to Formula One, which will be always for the rest of my life, the most amazing thing I've ever done with myself. Yeah. And then uh, after that, I got the opportunity to come back and race some NASCAR, which was a blast. I mean, I had so much fun being able to do such a different motorsports to what I grew up in. And in a very random occurrence, got invited to do this X Games uh, rallycross race in Brazil, which I thought, okay, that sounds like a lot of fun. And then I YouTubed it after I said I would do it, and I saw these cars were jumping through the air 70 to 80 feet, and I was like, <laughs> what am I doing? Like, what did I just sign up for? Yeah. And uh, I went there and just absolutely fell in love with it. I just I took to those cars really well, and that's been the, the Scott Speed for the last three years now, a full rallycross guy and just loving life. Yeah, you know, it's really cool because you've got to get in so many seats and do so many different things. And I can't imagine how fast you progressed into Formula One and get to compete at that level with those people in that world circuit. Oh, my gosh, absolutely spectacular. And then come back and do NASCAR, which is pretty cool, something we saw Juan Pablo do. And, of course, some other drivers have done as well. And now, yeah, you're flying through the air with the greatest of ease, as they say. Absolutely wonderful career you've had at such a young age, too. So. Bravo, bravo, well done. As we continue on your journey, I always like to start with a success quote. This is some kind of saying that's been instrumental in informing your life. Maybe it's a mantra you live by. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars. Yeah, Scott, you're the racer, so take the wheel. I, I got to be honest, the only quote I've ever lived by is not my own, but I definitely feel like I embody it to the fullest, and that's life's a garden, dig it, make it work for you. <laughs> Joe Dirt. <laughs> I, I, for whatever reason, I'm a super laid back guy. I'm uh, I don't take anything too crazy serious, and uh, I feel like that's really uh, how I've lived my life. I, I just take whatever situation I'm, I'm in, and I try to find the best of it. And that's been that's for whatever reason uh, turned out really well for me. I've always ended up in really great situations. Well, a lot of guests here have used quotes by other people. You're the first one to quote Joe Dirt. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I like that one. Well, maybe give us an example of how that's worked for you as you progress to racing so many different kind of vehicles. Well, how it would apply to me, I guess, is, okay, so uh, when I finally got the opportunity to move overseas you know, and chase down my dream, if you would, uh, I also got diagnosed with uh, ulcerative colitis, oh, no. which is a, is a disease of the large intestines. Yeah. Basically, your intestines don't work very well, and they ha get a lot of ulcers, and they bleed, and they basically they don't work very well. Mm. So um, during that time, you know, I'd be using the bathroom 50, 60 times a day, oh, having goodness. big, big problems, right? And at one point, um, after numerous accidents, I finally decided, my dad talked me into just using some diapers. Oh my gosh. Yep. The year that I won the Formula Renault Championship in Europe, yeah, I think I'm the last, only American to ever actually win a proper open wheel, wheel series over in Europe in the last for a long time. Yeah. Uh, I was doing it in diapers, basically. And oh my so gosh. finally I got uh, to see a, a professor in Vienna and we got the disease under control. But during that time, I really had to like, when you get to that state, right, where you're not even able to control yourself, right? Right. And you're in that position in your life. I mean, I was 19 at the time. It's, uh, it makes you reevaluate things a little bit. And I think from that moment on, I kind of just was, I was, you know, 
just very appreciative and happy for whatever I had. And uh, it was a good perspective builder. Well, I think so. You know, thanks for sharing a pretty personal side of your story, but it's incredible the things that you hear about people going through that you go, oh, well, tough luck. And then you, you go through something yourself and go, oh my gosh, this really affects my life. How am I going to adjust my life to make it work? But I, I like the fact that you had this somewhat lighthearted attitude. I'm sure at the time it wasn't as lighthearted. You were probably somewhat devastated being young going, why is this happening to me? But I, I'm really happy the way you embraced it and you just said, you know what? This is the way we're going to deal with it. We're going to move forward. So I'm not going to let it stop me from doing what I'm doing. And I think that's the, the takeaway here that I'm hearing. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the thing is, if I look back at that part of my life now, I mean, the biggest thing, uh, you know, it's almost no different. You know, I'm no less happy now. I, you know, the colitis has all been taken care of for the last, I don't know, decade. But yeah. I don't feel like I'm happier now than I was when I was in this situation where it was very much not ideal and it was, you know, a big part of my life. It's just something that I, I rolled with and it, uh, you can look at it, you know, any way you want to. Yeah, well, I'm so happy you got that under control. Health issues are no fun at all. Would you share a story for me that instigated your passion for cars? You talked about growing up with a dad who raised go-karts. That must have been pretty cool. And that's probably, well, that is where you got involved here. But is there a pivotal moment as you remember it when you realize, you know what, I want to race cars too? I think it came down to a really basic instinct of being just a really, really competitive person. And racing was the outlet that I was clearly the best at from the things I could do. And I could do racing at a national level, you know, and after my first year of kart racing, I won uh, a national championship in karting. So immediately I was better at racing than I ever was at football or baseball or all the other things that I was really focused at at the time. So for me, it was just the outlet to try to achieve excellence, if you would, or try to achieve, you know, the highest level. And, you know, as a kid at that age, I said, okay, well, I want to go to the top. I'm going to aim for Formula One. But, you know, it was almost like, uh, I hope I get there, but I have no idea how I'm going to make that happen or, or whatnot. I just knew that racing is, you know, what I wanted to do because I just, I could do it so naturally. Sure. Something in your blood. Well, you've chosen a career that is fraught with ups and downs, challenges by far. So I'd love for you to take us to a point in time where you met up with a huge challenge or even a great failure and then kind of walk us through that. Take us to that painful moment. But then again, how did you overcome it? How did it help you move forward and continue with your career? Well, I think there's a very clear make or break moment that happened in my career. And that was after I was selected to, to go overseas and I, and I won my big scholarship and I, and I got to race overseas with the best open wheel drivers in the world. The first situation I was brought into was a, it was not a very good one. And the car I was in that year uh, wasn't very good. And I only finished in the top 10 twice. And my teammate, on the other hand, actually won a race and did far better than I did. And I was my whole life used to winning everything I've ever got into a motor racing. I was the best guy. Yeah. I could always outdrive the guys I was around. And I really found myself in this position where I was like, well, I've always heard the European guys are better and, you know, maybe this is, is maybe I'm just not going to make it in racing. And at the very end of the year, the team put a test driver on both of our cars. It was actually the guy who won the championship the year before and he ran my teammate's car first. And my teammate and I had already ran that morning and we knew where we were for lap times. My teammate was probably three tenths faster than I was. And uh, the guy ran faster than my teammate did in his own car, right? And I was just like, wow. And the time he did was almost a half a second faster than I had just gone in my car. And then here he goes. He's gonna about to go sit in my car. And I'm, I'm, I got my stopwatch out, and I'm thinking, well, this is going to be the end of my career. I remember the moment like it was yesterday. He goes out in my car, and he runs his run, and he's a tenth and a half slower than I am. Whoa. And I remember thinking, like, how in the – like, 
I was just, it was the happiest moment of my life because I, it gave me like new life that maybe I can make it. Maybe I am good enough because here's the guy who won the championship the year before right. in my car. He's slower than I am. So that was the moment where I got another shot basically over there in Europe, and then I went on to win the championships the following year and eventually make it to Formula One. But that moment there was really a, a make-or-break moment. Oh, my gosh. So was there something in the setup of the car or something in the engine? or what, Why what was happening there? Uh, that's a great question. The team will say the cars were the same. Yeah. You know, the whole time. That They're never the story, same. But, you know, you know, motor racing. Sometimes yeah. things, you know, there's lots of moving parts. And yeah. sometimes the same is not the same. So yeah. uh, either way, it turned out, um, you know, I, I then had some respect from people. And, that, you know, that turned into some good opportunities down the line. Yeah. You know, as a spectator, we sit back and we watch races, we watch teams and we think, well, that guy's just better. And then something will happen. All of a sudden, the other guy's better and you go ah, yeah things maybe aren't always the same but there's a there are a lot of moving pieces you said it better than i did let's shift gears here scott and go to the other end of the spectrum i'd love for you to share kind of a career racing career aha moment something that happened in your career that made you go ah this is the path i need to be going down now tell us the steps you took to turn that aha moment into a success well, um, the first one that comes to mind was as a kid, uh, racing cars with my dad. My dad, for one, was an outright uh, amazing racing driver. He, he won multiple national championships in karting. And by the time I was 12, I was already at a really high level. And he decided to stop driving himself and kind of just help me, you know, sort of my engineer crew chief, if you will. And I remember I was, uh, 16 years old, and I just moved up to the senior division outside of juniors into senior with all the biggest carters in the world. And, uh, we were at a racetrack, and I was, like, burning off the tires. It's very much like cold trickle in Days of Thunder, okay? Basically, I was driving the car too hard. My dad's like, you need to just slow down. I can't fix this. The car is – the tires are all burning hot. I can't, I can't fix this for you. And I'm like, fine. You know, and we would be very – you know, we'd always get in a lot of heated arguments. <laughs> and I went out there, and to myself, I said, okay, I'm going to try to slow down a half a second. And I remember I went around there, and the very first lap time that showed up on the dash – that I thought was a half a second slower ended up only being like a tenth slower. And my dad didn't know I was trying to slow down that much. Right. So when I came in, I just, you know, was quiet and just like acceptant, accepting of what he was trying to tell me. Sure. And that was one of those moments when I realized that in racing, uh, sometimes you got to go slow to go fast. And it was a very clear memory. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and that father-son dynamics adds a whole nother layer into that uh, coaching session, I, I would assume. so. Uh, still to this day, still to this day, we talk every every weekend, every race. Yeah, absolutely. Very cool. Well, let's go back in time. I'd love for you to share your first really special race car, that, that first race car you got in that you went, man, I'm here. I've made it. This is it. Uh, there's no question. It's a Formula One car. Yeah. And I, I even remember where I was when I got the call that I'd get to test it because at that point I was racing in GP2, uh, which is something, you know, it's the, you know, the, the latter step right before Formula One in Europe, but that actual car is probably faster even than an Indy car here in America. So I was already at a really high level, but I got the, the call that I was going to be able to test a Formula One car. And to me, I was like, okay, I can literally retire after this. If I just get to test a Formula One car and that's all that my racing career ever amounts to, that will be enough. And I tested at Barcelona, Spain. And I, again, I don't know why. It's just how things worked out. It just was something that as soon as I got into, I remember I tested with four other guys at the time. They were all, I, if I had to rate us all at that time, I'd say we were all even. Uh -huh. But when we sat in the Formula One car, it was a clear advantage. I was three to four tenths faster than everyone. And it's just something that I fit in. And, uh, you know, that day and, and that 
that time. I mean, that's my whole career comes down to that day. And uh, just was lucky enough that the, for whatever reason, it just fit my driving style and it was something I could do well and it was, uh, it was a dream come true. Was it a somewhat of a, a surreal moment? I mean, was the whole day at the end of the day, did you have some reflection to go back and go, did I just do that? Or did it just, was it a blur? Or, you know, those kind of moments in life are just epiphany. I mean, they're just amazing moments in life when you go, everything I ever dreamed about, I'm there. So what was going through your head? Well, it was. It was so memorable. I can remember everything. I remember my hotel room that I was staying at. I remember the smells. Um, and actually, one of the weird things was is I had already raced there at that track in Barcelona in the GP2 car. Um, and we were actually pulled there. So I knew the track. And I remember the night before the test, I was watching onboard footage from Christian Klein, who was the driver for Red Bull at the time. And I remember watching thinking, no way I'm going to be able to go to the corner like this. The car was so fast. Like, you don't understand how much faster a Formula One car is than anything else right. until you're like watching the video from the eye view. And I remember watching that video thinking, I, I don't know. This is going to, I'm scared. You know what I mean? How, how is this even possible? Right. And I remember when I sat, and at that time too, F1 cars had tire warmers. And there was all, you know, the rumors and everything that drivers used to talk about was when you came out of the pits, you couldn't just cruise around for a few laps because then the tires would get cold uh-huh. and they'd turn to, to ice and you'd, you'd crash off the track. So you have to come out of the pits, lap one at pace. On it. Yeah. And when that pace is so much faster than anything you've ever driven before, it's really intimidating, I guess. Sure. And so to get in that thing, and I just got in the car, and I just basically did what I saw in the video, and it worked. And then I felt comfortable pretty immediately in it. But it was it was such a readjustment to your perception of how fast a car can go around a racetrack. Yeah, very cool. I've got uh, goosebumps on my arms just thinking about what it must have been like. Very cool. Well, let's have a little bit of fun here. I'd love for you to go back in time. You've run a lot of races. You've done a lot of different races in different cars. Take us to one that's the most memorable. Kind of walk us through some of the adrenaline-pumping experiences that you had and what really stands out in your mind. Uh, right now, the, 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 the race that stands out in the, my mind the most was my first race in Rallycross because I had never really raced on dirt before. I certainly have never driven a, rally, a four-wheel drive rally car before. And the way the beginning of that weekend started out was very different to how it ended. In fact, when practice opened up, uh, I had, first of all, I talked to guys like Travis Pastrana and Tanner Faust. Okay, guys, how does this jump thing work? You got to talk me through there. And they basically scared the crap out of me. They're like, <laughs> listen, you can't lift off the gas in the air. Otherwise, you're going to endo and flip. And you can't overshoot the landing ramp because then you're going to bottom out and you break your back. So good luck. Oh, so, uh, you know, uh, I go up to the, to the, um, uh, the stands, you know, and I'm watching the first practice, right? And I'm watching the cars go around the track. And in my mind, I'm trying to picture myself in the car, how to do this. Cause it's a four wheel drive car through dirt. I have no idea. I have no, nowhere to, to go from. Right? right. So I'm watching that. So I'm like, okay, I'm ready to go. I, I get in my car at the time, which is like the, the guest driver car. It's kind of like a satellite car to all the other teams. Right. And I go out on the track and I am, I can't even make it around the track. Right. I'm struggling just to keep it between the walls. So yeah. I make one lap and I come right back in and I tell the guy, I'm like, look, buddy, just get this thing ready for qualifying. It's better. I don't even go back out there because I'm, I'm pretty much not in control. And what I didn't realize was, was right before I went out, they watered the track. Oh, so I knew I was much slower than what I was watching and I had no control, but I didn't realize they had just watered the track. Right. So my guy's like, no, don't worry. You're going to be fine. 
go back out there. They just wire the track. It's going to be slick. And on my head, I'm thinking, there's no way it could be that slick. I mean, I'm crawling around this place having no control. And I just watched Tanner Faust and Pastrana rail their cars around the track. So, okay, whatever. I got back in the car and went out for practice. And I went out there and I was like, oh, man, it was a big difference. And then when I came in, there was a bunch of people around my car. And they're like, dude, that's crazy. I'm like, what was it? Was it good or bad? Because I really wasn't sliding. I didn't really look like they looked. Yeah. They're like, dude, you're the fastest guy on the track right now. It's incredible. Like everyone started watching. Then Whoa. I got happy. And then I was pumped. Like, really? Like, okay, cool. And then I started really getting in the groove of things. And uh, it turned out as the weekend went on, we ended up winning the thing. Oh, my gosh. Well, now, now what was going on that made you feel you weren't good, but you really were? Because it was just such a different sensation in, in your seat with that kind of car? I think the most, the biggest difference was, is I drove the tires like I normally would to the, to the normal kind of grip level. And I didn't go crazy drift style anywhere really. Okay. Not because I didn't want to at that time, mostly because I did, I just didn't want to crash. Right. <laughs> so I was like crawling before I ran. Right. But in that process, I found very quickly that crawling was just the faster way around the track. It goes back to what my dad taught me. Sometimes the slower way around the track's a faster way. <laughs> so you got like, Pastra- I remember clearly Pastrana because he was the most wild guy. He's like, going through this dirt corner with walls right on each side of them, just fully sideways out. And I'm just right around the bottom of the wall with not a lot of slip going on, just pulling right. away from them. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it ended up being a really cool, uh, cool event. Uh, I can't imagine those two guys going, wait a minute, how do you do that? What what the heck's uh, yeah. going on? <laughs> yeah, we, we don't like you, dude. You need to go back to race some other stuff. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. I like that. Well, I want to talk about today, and I'd love for you to share a little bit about what you're doing today, but I also want to talk a little bit about Sega's new game, Motorsport Manager. Now, the way I understand this game is it's you're an ambassador for the game, and I understand it's a way that it allows players to manage their own racing team. After building kind of an HQ workshop, hiring teams and drivers, you kind of build your own team around this whole game, which is really interesting to me because it's very different than a traditional game. So, Perhaps you could talk a little bit about that and talk a little bit about your racing you're doing today and what's really got you excited and fired up. Sure. Well, the Motorsports Manager game is unbelievable, for one. I I typically have never really got into much of the games that were racing-related because driving a racing game is so much different than the real thing. Mm -hmm. So from, from that standpoint, I've never really got too much into those type of games. But this game here is very much more like a strategy game, and it it's so multi-layered that it's incredible. I remember when I, a couple weeks ago I got the full kind of rundown of the game and all the facets that it has, and I couldn't believe that they were literally able to make so many of these little idiosyncrasies that are involved in racing into, into a real-life video game you are controlling. You know, everything from deciding to invest money into your wind tunnel or what kind of sponsors you have or who's going to be your lead engineer, who's going to be your driver. So you got all those bases that are covered in the game that you get to build. And then you also then get to take that to the racetrack and then decide on all the things that I've been through my whole life is, okay, you get to the racetrack. What are the conditions? What does the racetrack want? How do you want to set up your car? There's, there's pros and cons to all this thing and you have to weigh all these options out to ultimately, uh, you know, achieve the best results and to win races. And it's just so detail oriented and so intense. I was really pumped to be able to get behind it and, um, you know, and be an ambassador for it and, you know, as well play the game. I mean, it's, it's cool to be able to 
uh, get involved in something from this level. Yeah, the way I saw it is it's nothing like a traditional driving game like, say, my son did uh, when he was younger, but it allows the player to get behind the scenes, as you said, and manage all those activities that those of us who don't race really don't get to see. We can imagine them, but now we're a part of that whole picture, right? I think it's great. I think it's going to be able to finally mainstream give people an idea of what actually happens. Yeah. Because you realize really quickly in this game that there's so many things going on behind the scenes that result in whether that car wins or not. Right. And there's things that I've known my whole life, but it's it, to talk to a normal person is almost impossible for me. I can't explain to someone all these things that are happening behind the scenes that you know influence the results of the races. But now with this, it's really easy for me. I'm like, guys, go play the motorsport manager game. Tell me how you do there and you know, then we'll be able to talk a little bit about, so did you guys get any more aero bits for the car here? Or did <laughs> yeah. you guys do any work over here? Where are you guys focused? It, it makes it really cool to talk to people after that. Uh, it's really cool. And again, listeners, it's about, it's out by Sega. It's called Motorsport Manager. Very, very cool. Check it out. I think this is something many layers above just your average driving game. And tell me a little bit about the team you're on today and what you guys are doing and what you guys excited and, and what's coming up for us, uh, motorsports fans. Uh, well, I am with Volkswagen Andretti Rallycross. Been there for the last two years now. Andretti has come into the Rallycross scene like a lot of the other big teams because it's the motorsports right now that's growing the fastest in our, in our country. It's, it's really touching on all the things that a sport needs to right now, this day and age with the short attention spans, the really exciting races. And, uh, you know, it's been great to, to be in GRC since 2013 from kind of the beginning to see where it's gone now because now it's, it's mainstream motorsports in our country. Right. But it is very different and it's very cool to work with a company like Volkswagen because my teammate Tanner and I are allowed to do a lot of very cool sort of promotional types of I me. Mean, Volkswagen's always got those funny Super Bowl commercials and they roll that kind of stuff right into how they use us too. So like all the little videos we get to do and all the stuff we get to do with Volkswagen's really lighthearted and fun. So sure. it, it's a great company to work for. And as well, it helps that I think we have the best car in the field. You know, I think we have the best engineers over in Germany working on the WRC program. We get a lot of help from those guys. And uh, it, it's also fun to be in a motorsports again, like Formula One, where you can develop, right? So you know, in between seasons, for example, we can go to work on our car, improve the rear geometry, improve some suspension pieces, which is, you know, unusual for most motorsports. Yeah, very cool. Well, it's very exciting, really exciting for us viewers because it's it's unlike any motorsport you've really seen. And in some sense for me, because I used to live in Southern California, the Baja 1000, the Baja 500, used to go down there and watch those guys run. I even got to do a pre-run with a guy one time. Boy, did I want to get out of that car after a few minutes. It was just like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. My, my kidneys, thank goodness I was a young kid and it didn't really matter. But uh, really exciting what you guys are doing. And again, congratulations on your championship. Absolutely fantastic. Now, here's a very introspective question for you, Scott. If you were a race car, what kind of race car would Scott be and why? Ooh, man. Hit me with a deep one, bro. <laughs> yeah, we, we got to go a little deep okay. here. But, uh, you know, I've had 574 people before you that have been able to figure this one out. So don't worry. I'll help you through it if you need it. Uh, if I was a race car, which one would I be? I would be uh, I'd be a go-kart. Go okay, cool. And why is that? Uh, the most accessible easiest thing for the average person to get into you know i want to be the first taste of someone's you know love of motorsports from the actual driving perspective yeah now it makes sense to me and i'll tell our listeners 
I've never met Scott before. I've heard about him for years, of course, and I follow Formula One, remembering you're racing there. But from the minute we got on the phone, I felt like this is a really easy guy to talk to, really nice guy, down-to-earth guy. So uh, <laughs> I think that makes sense. So Scott, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. Hey, Cars Yeah listeners, I have a question. What's the best way to protect your vehicle, both the exterior and the interior? It's with a car cover. I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. It's the fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft is the world's largest manufacturer of custom patterned vehicle covers, and they are crafted to fit like a custom suit, with over 80,000 patterns available. And they're made in the USA. But Covercraft is much more than car covers. Their vehicle protection system protects your cars, motorcycles, watercraft, and RVs, exteriors from the elements and the interiors from the wear and tear of daily life car covers front end masks dash covers seat covers floor mats and much much more covercraft offers you a full array of custom accessories made specifically for and styled to complement and protect your special vehicle covercraft is the right choice i use them on all my vehicles and your special vehicles will love them too learn more today at covercraft.com and you can get free shipping when you use the code at checkout, Cars Yeah. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people, but what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy too. Call 253 253- 722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member, Finra Sipic. Okay, Scott, we're back and we're entering the last lap. And you're a racer. You know what this means. The white flag's out. Time to put our foot into it. And I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So you ready? Shoot it. What's the best racing advice you've ever received and who is it from? Uh, I got to go back to my dad. Go slow to go fast. Easy. (laughs) Yeah, I think so. I've heard that one too when I did some vintage racing. Can you share one of your personal habits that you believe has helped contribute to your success over the years? My big personal habit, if I guess if I have, you can call it a habit, is not anticipating or not expecting. You know, when I, when I start a race, especially in rallycross, when you're starting three abreast and three deep and everyone's right on top of each other, right. accelerating zero to 60 in under two seconds. Wow. In that kind of situation where there's so many things that can happen, I try not to have a preconceived notion of what I'm expecting. I try to just react there you go goes back to that joe dirt quote i think (laughs) kind of go with the flow so (laughs) do you have a resource that you think our listeners would really enjoy uh for me i tend to kind of disengage from the racing aspect outside of the outside of the racetrack because i don't like to let the outside influences affect my state of mind i guess Mm. so i don't like hearing what all the media and everyone's talking about about that race before i get there because i don't want to have any ideas or thoughts in my eye in my head that are not coming from me i guess sure so i i'm really quite disengaged with all the stuff most of the time i get to the track and everyone's like man did you hear about that and i'm like cool tell me tell me about it nope i haven't haven't heard of that i'm very uninvolved 
I got to tell you, for me, I'm I'm the guy that doesn't really have the TV on in the house very often or my phone out. I'm all Smart I'm guy. really I'm very much a doer. Like I have to be doing something, whether it's golf or uh, cycling or swimming or running. I, I do some triathlon stuff. Uh, I'm always having to physically be doing something. I hate just watch. I hate just reading about someone else's life. I feel like I have to be doing it myself. I don't know why. I'm very strange. My wife is not like that. That's kind of a very unique thing. <laughs> I think you're a smart guy. Too many people, including myself, we kind of live our lives through watching other people's lives with all the social media. I think it's much better to be out there doing it. So you're the smart one in the room today. <laughs> How about a book? Do you enjoy reading? And if you do, has there been a book you've read lately that you really enjoyed? <laughs> Uh-oh, I just asked another bad uh, I don't question. Wanna, <laughs> I don't want to call myself like the typical like alpha male, I guess, but I, the last book I read was a Goosebumps book in like <laughs> eighth grade. <laughs> well, you're the first one to, you know, I'm laughing because my kids, I have two kids and they're grown up now, but I remember the Goosebumps books, reading them at night under the covers and yeah, yeah. scaring them so uh yeah, I think I'll have to put Goosebumps next to your name on the list of books. That's pretty. That's what I got. That's pretty funny. Well, that's okay. I like that. It makes you pretty darn human. Well, listeners, you can find all these great resources, including the Goosebumps books, on Scott's very own show notes page at carsyad.com slash scottspeed. All right, Scott, we are up to the checkered flag. And this last question can be a bit of a doozy. If you could have only one collector car or collector race car in your garage but this is something you can't buy and sell or buy a bunch of other toys with you got to keep it you got to enjoy it i hope you're going to drive it but money is no object i am your sponsor today i'm going to buy you whatever you want the checkbook is open what would that vehicle be and more importantly why 911r oh the new 911r yes sir yeah yep. oh my I, gosh because uh I think I say that because I feel like we're getting close in time to where proper, you know, engines as we know it are going to change and cars as we know it are going to change and to have a manual and almost up to date, uh, in the most latest and greatest car, uh, you can have, I feel like in 10 years from now, that that's not going to be there. You're not going to have those options. Yeah, exactly. Have Have you had a chance to drive one? I have not. I really want to. Oh my God. Well, you know, what's cool about your choice here? What I love about your choice is the only way I'm going to get you one of those is I've got to buy you a 918 first because those 918 owners get get the 911R. So you're a pretty smart guy. You tricked me with this one. You're going to get two cars out of this deal, the 918, the uh, hybrid, and the 911R. How do you like that? Yeah, well, I trust me. I Trust me. I've talked to as many 918 owners as I could possibly know yeah. to try to get my hands on one. They're very, very difficult. Uh, yeah, I know a few people that have them as too, but they won't toss me the keys. So uh, I just have to be a passenger. But the 911R, oh my gosh, yeah, you picked a car that tugs on my heartstrings too. I'm a huge Porsche 911 fan, as the listeners know. So very nice choice. What color would you like me to get that car for you in? White. Ah, okay. Racing. Well, it's, yeah. it's only one color, right? The 918 is, or the 911R, I think, is a stock color. It's white with the white with the red, red. stripe. Yeah, but I'm I'm sure if you're a really special Porsche customer like me, of course, <laughs> uh, I can get you any color you want. But that's okay. We'll get you white. You can wrap it, make it different colors every time you take it out on the track and have some fun with it. So nice choice, my friend. A very nice choice indeed. Scott, you've taken me on an awesome ride around the track today. I knew you would. And I, I want to thank you. I've really enjoyed your stories. Thanks for taking us along on your journey. Could you give us one parting piece of guidance before you rip off down the racetrack in that 911R? 
<laughs> uh, well, first of all, thanks so much for having me on the show, Mark. Uh, what a great time. You're welcome. Parting advice I would give is if you want something bad enough, and I mean really actually want something, because you have to understand uh, most of the time once you get what you want, you realize you didn't really want it. But if you really want it that bad, you will get it. And I guess having the belief that that'll happen, yeah, kind of have to live it to, to, to know it. But if you really wanted it bad enough, you will always get what you want. Absolutely. Hard work, tenacious attitude, and persistence. A lot of laps, a lot of seat time, as they say. What's the best way for our listeners to follow you and what you're doing these days? Uh, Facebook and Instagram. Kind of on Twitter a little bit, but mostly on Instagram and Facebook. Okay. Do you have a website? Uh, yep, scottspeed.com. We're there. Excellent. Absolutely. Well, listeners, again, you can find links to all these things that Scott has shared today on his very own show notes page at carsyad.com. Just type Scott in the search bar and that page will pop up. And I remember, or I remind you to check out Sega's new game, Motorsport Manager. This is really cool. Something very different. And for those ultimate enthusiasts out there, I think you're going to have some fun with this game. Absolutely. Scott, thanks for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing your experiences on the track with the listeners and with me. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me, Mark. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.